0: Chapter 48 of Cripps the Carrier by Richard Doddridge Blackmore This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 48 Masculine Error Christopher Firmitage Sharp, Esquire, strode forth to have room as well as time for thought. His comely young face was unusually red, and he stroked his almost visible mustache as a stimulant to manhood. So deep and stern were his meditations that he never even thought of his pipe until he came to a bridge on the botley road, whereon he was accustomed to lean and smoke, and gaze at the little fish quietly. From the force of habit he pulled out his meerschaum, flint and steel and German tinder, and through blue rings of his own creation watched and envied the little fish, for though it was not yet the manner of his mind to examine itself very deeply, HE HAD A STRONG CONVICTION THAT THE FISH WERE HAPPY, AND THAT HE WAS MISERABLE. UPON THE FORMER POINT THERE COULD NOT BE TWO OPINIONS, UNLESS THE FISH THEMSELVES HELD ONE. WHEN ANY MAN OBSERVED HOW THE LITTLE FELLOWS JUMPED AT THE SPICY-FLAVORED FLIES THAT FLUTTERED ON THE FLUID GOLD TO THEM, OR FLASHED IN AND OUT AMONG ONE ANOTHER WITH A FROLICSOME SPREAD OF SILVER, OR, BEST OF ALL, IN CALM CONTEMPLATION, SOFTLY MOVED pellucid FINS, and gently opened fans of gills with magnifying eyes intent upon the glory of the lustrous world. Kit considered them with an envious gaze. Were they harassed? Were they tortured? Were they racked with agonized despair by the proceedings of the female fish? Compelled to turn his grim thoughts inward, he knew not that he was jealous. He only knew that if he were to meet the young nobleman with the four bay horses, it would be an evil day for one of them. Tush! Why should he not go and forestall that bloated, unprincipled aristocrat, whose intentions might even be dishonorable, by having four horses himself, and persuading that queen of beauty to elope with him? He had given his parents due notice, and if he had done what they wished by thus falling in love, it could not be very much against their wishes if he made a hasty match of it. But could this lovely young American be persuaded to come with him, He had far too much respect for her to dream of using violence, but surely, if he could convince her of the peril she was in, and could promise her safe refuge with a grave old lady, a valued relative of his own, while she should have time to consider his suit, his devotion, his eternal constancy, his everlasting absorption into her higher and purer identity, he pulled out his purse. It contained four and sixpence, a shilling and three halfpence for each horse, "'and nothing for the postulants, "'We must do it less grandly,' he said to himself, "'and after all it will be better so. "'How could four horses ever get through that wood? "'I must have been a fool to think of it. "'A very light chase and a pair will do ten times better, "'at a quarter of the money. "'I can get tick for that from old Squeaker himself, "'and the governor will have to pay. "'It need not cost me more than half a crown, "'and about three bob for turnpikes.' Fifteen miles to old Aunt Peggy's on the Wycombe Road. "'Once there, I defy them to do what they like. "'I am always the master of that house, "'and I know where they keep the blunderbuss. "'I have the greatest mind not to go home at all, "'but to complete my arrangements immediately. "'Squeaker would lend me a guinea with pleasure. "'He is a large-minded man, I am sure. "'What a fool I was to give poor cinnamon "'to such a quantity of tin that day, "'and yet how could I help it? "'I might have gone on like a lord, but for that—' Kit turned round and shook his head in several directions, trying to bring his mind the places where money might be hoped for. In this there is no mental effort more difficult and absorbing. No wonder, therefore, that in this contemplation he did not hear the upmail full gallop, springing the arch from the charlatan side, to make a fine run into Oxford. Oi there, stupid! The coachman shouted, for the bridge was narrow, and the coach danced across it, with the vigor of the well-corded team. Oh, Kit, is it? Climb for your hat, Kit. Kit's best friend, so far as he had any friends in the university, by a stroke of fine art, sent the lash of his whip round the hat of the hero, and deposited it, ere one might cry, Where art thou gone? on the oilcloth which sat on the top of the luggage, which sat on the top of the coach which he drove, like the heir of all the race of Nimshi. The hireling Jehu sat beside him, and having been at it since nine o'clock last night, snored with a flourish not inferior to that which the male guard began upon his horn. Kit was familiar with a coach at speed, as every young Englishman at that time was, in a twinkle he dashed at the hind boot, laid hold of the handle, and was up at once, the guard with an eye to an honest half-crown moving sideways but offering no help, because it would have been an insult. Then over the hump of the luggage crawled Kit and clapped his own hat on his head, and between the shoulders of two fat passengers threw forth his strong arm and bonneted the spanking son of Nimshi. The leaders ran askew till they were caught up and the smart young driver would have thrown down the reins and committed a personal assault on Kit, who was perfectly ready to reply to it, being skilled in the art of self-defense if the two fat passengers, having seen the hole, had not joined hands and stopped it. "'Tit-for-tat, tit-for-tat!' they cried. "'Squire, you began it, and you have your due.' And so, with a hearty laugh, on they galloped. "'If you should have anything to say to me,' cried Kit as he swung himself off the early mail at the corner of his native cross-duck lane, "'you will know where to find me, but you must wait a day or two, for I have a particular engagement.' "'Ah, rubbish, Kit!' Come and wine with me at seven. I shall have tooled home the nonpareil by then. Christopher, though stern, was placable. He kissed his hand to his reconciled friend, while he shook his head to decline the invitation and strode off vigorously to consult his mother. To consult his dear mother meant to get money out of her, which was a very easy thing to do, and having a good deal of conscience, Kit seldom abused that opportunity, unless he was really driven to it. Metallic necessity was on him now. His courage had been rising for the last half hour. Faint heart, never one fair lady, rang to the tune of many horses' feet. His dash through the air had sent his spirits flying. His exploit and the applause thereof had taught him his own value. From this day forth he was a man of the world, and a man of the world was entitled to a wife. It was the last infirmity of noble and too active minds to feel that nothing is done well unless their presence guides it, to doubt the possibility of sage provision and nice conduct through the ins and outs of things, if ever the master spirit trusts the master body to be away, and the countless eyes of the brain to give twinkle instead of the two solid lights of the head. Hence it was that Mr. Sharp at sight of Kit "'came forth to meet him, although he had arranged to send the mother, "'and this, as Mrs. Sharp declared, to her dying day, "'was the greatest mistake ever made by a man of most wonderful mind "'while she was putting away the linen. "'Come in here, my boy,' he said to his son, "'who was strictly vexed to see him and yearning to be round the corner. "'There are one or two things that have never been made quite clear to your understanding.' We do not expect you to be too clear-sighted at your time of life, and so on. Come in, that I may have a word with you. Christopher, with a little thrill of fear, once more entered the sacred den, and there stood as usual while his father sat and regarded him with a lightsome smile. One of the many causes which had long been at work to impair the young man's filial affection was that his father behaved as if it were not worth while to be in earnest with him, as if Kit Sharp had a mind no riper than just to afford amusement to mature and busy intellects. Christopher knew his own depth and was trying to be strong, too, whenever he could think of it, and if he did spend most of his time in sport and congenial pastime, of one thing he was certain, that he never did harm to anyone. Could his father say that much for himself? Ah, my boy, ha, ha said the elder Sharp in that very same vein which always so annoyed and vexed his son, what will you give me for a little secret, a sweet little secret about a young lady in whom you take the deepest interest? The ingenious youth, in spite of all efforts, could not help blushing deeply, for he had a purely candid skin, reproduced from Piper ancestry, and the sense of hot cheeks made him glow to the vital centers of the nobler stuff, Therefore he scraped with his toes, which was a trick of his, and kept silence. Pocket money gone again, continued his father pleasantly. Nothing to offer his kind papa for the most valuable information. Courting is an expensive business, I ought to have remembered that, and the younger the parties, the more it costs. Hot house, flowers, and a smelling bottle, a trifle of a ring, just to learn the size, that being accepted, the bolder brooch. "'Charmed bracelet and locket for the virgin heart. "'No wonder you are short of cash, my kit. "'You don't know one atom about it,' "'cried Christopher, boiling with meritorious wrath. "'I never gave her nothing, and she wouldn't have it. "'The double negative, to be sure. "'How forcible and how natural it is. "'Well, well, my boy, let us try to believe you. "'Scatter all doubts by exhibiting your wealth. "'You had five pounds and ten shillings lately.' "'and you pay nothing for anything that can be placed to your father's credit. "'Let me see your cash-box, Kit.' "'This is all that I have at present,' said Christopher, pulling out his three-and-sixpence, "'for he had given the guard a shilling. "'But you must not suppose that this is all to which I am entitled. "'I have IOUs from junior members of the university for really more than I can reckon up, "'and every one of them will get the money from his sisters in the long vacation.' "'Oh, Kit, Kit!' "'The firm ends with me. "'I must sell the good will for the very worst old song. "'If it once leaks out, what a fool you are. "'By what strange cross of reckless blood "'can such a boy be the future head "'of Piper Pepper Sharp and company?' "'Mr. Sharp covered up his long, clear head "'and hid for this once true emotion. "'Kit looked at the kerchief with a very queer glance. "'He was not at all affected by this lamentation, however just.' "'because he had heard it so often before, "'and he never could make out exactly how much of him "'his father could manage to describe through that veil palladian. "'Well, sir,' he said, "'you have always told me, as long as I can remember, "'that I was to be a gentleman, and gentlemen trust one another.' "'Very well said,' Mr. Sharp replied with a deeply irritating smile. "'And now I will trust you, young sir, in a matter of importance.' Remember that I trust you as a gentleman, for I need not tell you one word unless I choose, and if I depart from my usual practice, it is partly because you are beginning to claim a sort of maturity. Very well, let us see if it can be relied upon. You pledge your word to keep silence, and I tell you what you never could find out. Kit was divided with his mind in twain, whether he should draw the sharp falchion of his wit whether he should rather speak honeysome words, and, as nearly always happens when Minerva is admitted, he betook himself to the gentler process. Very well, sir, he said, pulling up his collar as if he had whiskers to push it down. Whatever I am told in confidence is allowed to go no farther. It is scarcely necessary for me to say that I reserve, of course, the final right of reference to my honor. To be sure— "'and to your ripe judgment and almost patriarchal experience, Kit, let it be known to you, aged youth, "'that you have not shown whore sagacity. "'You do not even know who the lady is "'whom you have honoured with your wise addresses.' "'And I don't care a dun who she is,' cried Kit, "'so long as I love her and she loves me. "'My son, you are turbulent and hasty. "'Your wisdom has left you suddenly. "'Your manners also.' or you would not swear in the presence of your father. Sir, I was wrong, and I beg your pardon, but I think that I learned the first way of it from you. Kit, Kit, recall that speech. You have gone altogether dreaming lately. My discourse is always moderate and to the last degree professional. However, in spite of the generous impulse, which scarcely seems natural at your three score years and ten, "'It does seem needful precaution to learn the name, style, and title of the lady "'whom you will vow to love, honour, and obey. "'Her name,' cried Kit without any sense of legal phrase and jingle, "'is Grace Holland. "'Her style is a great deal better than anybody else's, "'and as for title, such rubbish is unknown in the gigantic young nation to which she belongs. "'Her name?' "'said Mr. Sharp, setting his face for conquest of this boy "'and fixing keen hard eyes upon him, "'is Grace Oglander, the daughter of the old squire of Peckley. "'Her style, in your sense of the word, "'is that of a rustic young lady, "'and her title, by courtesy, is Miss, "'a barbarous modern abbreviation.' "'The youth was at first too much amazed to say a word, "'for he was not quick-witted.' As his father was, he gave a little gasp, and his fine brown eyes, which he could not remove from his father's, changed their expression from defiance to doubt, and from doubt to fear, and from fear to sorrow, with a little dawning of contempt. Why, my man, is this beyond your experience of life? asked Luke Sharp, trying to look his son down, but failing and beginning to grow uneasy. Kit's face was aflame with excitement, and his lips were trembling, but his eyes grew stern. "'Father, I hope you do not mean what you have said. "'You are only joking with me. "'At any rate, that you have not known it, "'that you have not done it, "'that you have not even left poor old Mr. Oglander one hour. "'Wait, boy, wait. "'You know nothing about it. "'Who are you to judge of such matters indeed? "'Remember to whom you are speaking, if you please.' "'I have done what was right, and for your sake I have done it.' "'For my sake? "'Why, I never had seen the young lady before I was told that she was dead and buried, "'murdered, as everybody said, and the tracing of criminals was mainly left to you. "'I longed to help, but I knew that you despised me, "'and now do you mean to say that you did it?' "'Luke Sharp was a quick-tempered man. "'He had borne a great deal more than usual.' And now he spoke with vast disdain. To be sure, Kit, I murder her, as is proved to such a mind as yours by the fact of her being now alive. What can I have done to have a fool for my son? And what have I done to have a rogue for a father? You may knock me down, sir, if you please. For Mr. Sharp arose, as if that would be his next proceeding. You have always used your authority very much in that manner with me. I don't want to be knocked down, but if it will do you any good, pray proceed to it, and down I go. I declare, after all, you have got some little wit, cried the lawyer with a smile, withdrawing and recovering self-command. I cannot be angry with a boy like you, because you know no better. Oh, here comes your mother. Your excitement has aroused her. Mama, you have not the least idea what a lion you have to answer for. I will leave him to you, my dear, soothe him, feed him, and try to find his humming-top. End of chapter 48